So I am lucky enough to have the one and only Dion from Dion Talk here. And we're going to talk about new investors and mistakes that we see new investors make. This is a game that I call ping pong, where we go back and forth three times. And we always start with the guest. Dion, what's number one? So I, I like the idea of what mistakes do new investors make? And you can hear some really common ones. And it's, sometimes it's messing up the math or messing up the market that they're picking or those those kind of big, huge ones. But my first one is is really subtle. And I've almost, I'd say half the time, at least 50% of the time, the new investor hits me with this question. Almost like they've asked me to make a video on this topic, which I haven't yet. Because it would be the opposite, which would be clickbait. The question is, how do I negotiate down my realtor fees? That's the question. That comes up, like I said, half the time. Half the time, people don't even ask it. But the other time is, and there are videos. There are videos on on here in YouTube University where it's here's how you negotiate down your agent fees, and they talk about how much your agent is making. And so I, I closed on a fourplex in uh, 2020. Uh, agent's commission was seventeen thousand dollars, and everybody was like, not everybody, but the people that I communicated with said. What did they do that was worth $17,000? Like they send your offer. They maybe showed up for the inspection. So, you know, at $500 an hour, did they earn $17,000? And I said, okay, so first they sent me the deal. Second, um, they're in a 30 probably, because we don't have a state income tax here, but they're in a 30 plus percent tax bracket. And so in California, you can be in 50% with that. Um, they have brokerage fees. So another 50% of that is gone. They have licensing fees. They've got a, they had to have access to the MLS. They had all these expenses. I have ran a business. They are not getting $17,000. They got $17,000 at the closing table in, in a check that was then cut down to the, the amount that they made. I wish he made more. Yeah. Well, the other crazy thing is as the buyer, you're not paying that. Right. Exactly. The seller's paying that. Who the freaking cares? Nope. And, and, and the proof in the pudding is he contacts me like he's got auto searches set up. So I've got a possible burr, small multifamily. I even have a single family cut just set up just in case every now and then something will have the right metrics and he will text me in all of the emails that you've seen. Did you see this deal? Because he knows I'm not going to try to take money out of his pocket. I'm going to try to make sure he gets paid. Um, and that's why you want to be at the top of their list. Absolutely. Not just on their list. Yeah. Again, I, I second all of that. I mean, the, the agent in this case who made $17,000, I wish they made more as well. And it's not the deal they get paid on. It's the hundred of deals they bring you that go nowhere, right? They're, they're consistently working. They, they make nothing until the closing table, right? It's, it's a, it's a tough business to, to operate in. Uh, so yeah, I want them to get paid. The biggest mistake that I see and just trying to be different, come up with new ones is something I call the shooting star effect. I, uh, you know, I have a book, it's well-received, YouTube channel, all that stuff. And every now and again, people will get a hold of me and they will be vibrating with excitement. Like, I have just unlocked the secret to the universe. And I look at them and, and, and pleasant and, and all of that. But, but I know in the back of my mind, I'm thinking you're the next shooting star. Because if you're coming into real estate investing, like it's going to cure cancer. You're going to wash out. It's slow. It's hard. It's ugly. It will absolutely do all these amazing things, but not until you pay the price for three, four or five years. 
And I have only uncovered one person that I flagged as a shooting star that's even interested in real estate a year from now. Because it'll take you six months to learn your market. You'll have to write. I had one of them. One of them. One of them reached out to me about a month or six weeks after I talked to them and said, Michael, I'm different. I wrote three offers and I got nothing. What is going on? I'm like, three offers? And this is like in 2021 when I wrote like 100 offers and got nothing. They're frustrated at three. So the biggest thing for me, and I would ask everybody in this, if, if you're coming to real estate investing almost desperate, you need to check yourself because you're going to be the next shooting star and get nowhere and just burn out. So that's my first one. The brightest star burns out the fastest. There you go. So uh, this one, I don't know if I've heard anybody talk about this before. And so I'm going to actually try to articulate it in a, in a way that makes sense. One of the biggest mistakes a newer investor makes is thinking that the nervousness is going to go away. Ooh, because yes. they, they they hear investors like us were like, hey, I made an offer. Uh, it was uh, the, 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 the agent. I talked to him like, sorry, David, 10 o'clock last night. I was like, here's the offer. I want this submitted and 1030 and it was ready to go. DocuSign done. Let, you know, everything was set. So my, my agent gets me that <laughs> I don't know what day of the week it is or what time of the day it is. I just don't know. I don't know. Right? <laughs> just don't know. So they're like, yeah, I made the offer. And then I'm just, I'm not even going to think about it. Because there's multiple offers coming in. Mine mine might be stronger because of some of the things I did or whatever, and I might get it, but I don't think about it. So if you're a newer investor, you think eventually I'm going to get there. But that nervousness just changes form. Yes. When 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 you first start and you you've you're 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 nervous because maybe you don't have money. And this is gonna gonna be one of the other things I talk about is, is you know, thinking you everyone says you you it takes money to make money, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be yours. It just yeah, takes exactly. money. To make money. Uh so you're you're nervous on learning how to do this and you educate yourself and you make that first offer. And so the, the, the nervousness is um, there's so many strong actors out there or, you know, actors being investors. There's so, so many other players that are, they might have a better deal. They might have a better reputation. They might be faster. They might be whatever. I hope they take my offer. I'm so nervous that they're going to not. And then you flip a switch mm -hmm. and you start having the same amount of nervousness, but in a different way. Oh, crap. What if they take my offer? I have to pay for an inspection and an appraisal, and I have to learn how to negotiate after we're we're under contract, and I might have to act. You know, like that. It just changes form. So, when you're starting out, don't expect to all of the sudden be super calm, and that your nervousness will go away. It will just change shape. I have not purchased a property yet that didn't have something new mm. I've never heard of before. Closed on one, like fifth deal, fifth, five, five properties in has a well. First one that I was going to have a well. They couldn't tell me if it was on my property or the property next door. Mm. There was a contract with the county that those two properties were on one well. Like, how do you not know where the well is? And how do you deal with that amount of nervousness of should I close on a deal? I don't know where the well is, where the water's coming from. You don't know what the next thing is going to be that's going to make you nervous. Figure out how to deal with your nerves and that, that, you know, keep your eye on the prize mentality of the financial freedom is completely worth all of the stress it takes to learn how to do all these different things. And it doesn't 
go away. Yeah. That's a good one. My number two is something really I've learned from you uh, time and time again, is that people often ask the wrong question. So what do I mean by that in this example? So one of the things that I get asked a lot about is what's the best market? And I obviously think that's the wrong question, right? I don't think there is a best market. There might be a best market for you, but this notion that there's some Uber best market out there, I think is, is poppycock. And it actually causes too many investors to waste time. How many times have you heard from a new investor? I'm interested in real estate and I am researching. Now, most of the time when I hear that and they're doing the work, right? It's the wrong work, but they're committing the time and they're spending hours a week researching markets. And one time it's Detroit and then it's Cleveland and then it's Miami and then it's Austin and then it's San Diego and then it's Washington, D.C. and then it's wherever. And they're interested. I'd even argue they're committed because they're, you know, five hours a week, eight hours a week, whatever it is, but they're not learning anything. They're not actually moving forward. I believe real estate investing starts with asking the right question and learning the skill. And of, of course, for me, that is understanding what is an average deal in my buy box. I don't care where the buy box is. If it's on, like there's somebody that follows my channel very early on who invests in an eight block radius. He walks around his rentals. That is the smallest buy box I've ever heard, but it works for him. My buy box said I could not get on an airplane. So I had to make it driving distance. Whatever it is, um, don't start this journey finding the best place. Trust me, there are people losing their ass in that market, and there are people making money in horrible markets. It's not about the market. It's about the investor. So go learn average and then write great deals. So that's my second one. What's your third and final one, Dion? So the really hard thing with a list like this is I was I was trying to say, here are mistakes that investors make that you can't just kind of Google mis investor mistakes because they'll be the top 10 and, and I'm trying to make sure we're not on that list. But to wrap it up, there is one thing that investors do that people do that to me is too important to leave off a list, even though you might find this if you Google it. Okay. Not, and this is factual math. 99% of people aren't in the 1%. Like ah! that's how math works, right? Where does almost all of your advice come for the average person? Comes from the 99%. We interact with our teachers and our parents and our coworkers. And almost everything you're going to hear is going to be filtered through somebody who it could be working on the path, doesn't have your resources or your goals, but could be on the path. Find the 1%. Find the channels that have done what you want to do. Interact with them, get in their comments, get into their emails, ask, ask the smart questions. Even if you think it's the wrong one, it sparks the, you know, what the, we did a video here on one rental at a time where it was, how much does it take to retire? It's kind of the wrong question. We don't just say that's stupid. We go, actually, it's not an amount, right? It, it's an amount of cash flow every month coming in. That tells you, right? You wouldn't get to that correct answer if you don't ask what you might think is the wrong answer. Interact with, and it's, you know, rule number seven, audit your network. There you, uh, go. you don't have to eliminate the people in your life that are in the 99%. And I'm not saying your goal is to get in the 1%, but if you want your finances right and you want to reach financial freedom and you want to retire early, you don't even have to be in the 1%. But the more things you do, like the people in the 1% do, 
the more likely you are to reach those goals. Yeah, it's funny you referenced rule number seven. Uh, mine's going to be rule number five, and that is bad things happen. Real estate investing, investing of any ilk, bad life, bad things happen all the time. Uh, and they're going to happen in real estate. They still happen to me. They probably happen to me more frequently than you. I have more units, so more bad stuff happens. The idea is you learn and move on. And ideally, you adapt processes and procedures so you don't repeat mistakes. Uh, one of the things that I was keen on when I was leading sales teams is uh, I value mistakes. I don't value mistakes repeated. That is where you get me kind of cranky. If we recognize a brand new mistake that no one's experienced and then we all learn and move on, I will celebrate it. If we start repeating mistakes, that'll be a problem. So again, bad things are going to happen. They happen to all of us all the time. Learn, move on, build a callus, whatever that is. It's why we have reserves. It's why we have a network. It's it's all of these great things. So Again, real estate investing can get you there. It's not the 40-40 life, which is work 40 hours for 40 years to live on 40%. You can get done early. You can retire on as little as 16 units, as Dion has showed us, which is, he says, too much, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, Dion, any closing thoughts and where can people find you? I, I love that you say, you know, good things happen, bad things happen. And you, and I, I like the way you said, and I tried not to laugh out loud, but uh, you value mistakes because you can learn from them, right? You don't like repeated mistakes. And I thought, how many marriages have I had? <laughs> but not giving marriage advice, talking about reaching financial freedom. You can find me right here on YouTube, Dion Talk Financial Freedom. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you.